the first place prize was a recording contract and we won that. But, wow. you know, we wanted the DJ equipment, which was the second place prize. Because, we, you know, we were naive to the whole thing about record contracts and all that stuff. We thought record contracts were for professional artists and we weren't professional. So, um, one of the DJ DJ equipment. Um, but our manager, who became our manager, he's the one that put together the whole contest. But he became our manager. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews, live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Awesome week, and so excited to talk to our guest, Cool Rock, someone that I loved listening to when I was growing up. Exactly, the Fat Boys. And, and you know, Damon, when you think about Cool Rock Ski, we're going to call you Cool Rock Ski because I love that. You think about right. the Fat Boys and how they kind of were everyone's childhood that was listening to rap when it first started. It's just like something that you'll never forget that group. It's like going to be iconic a hundred years later, 200 years later. Right. Don't you think? Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, you would hope so. I mean, with the, with the, um, with the internet and YouTube and all this stuff. So you would, you know, I guess we'll be around. Um, at the, at the same time, good music never fades out, no matter if you have the internet or not, you know, Elvis Presley is still being listened to. And I, I would imagine he would be listened to even if it wasn't for the internet. You know, he has so many other artists. So, you know, but like I said, with the the help of the internet, we'll be around for a long time. All right. Yeah, Go ahead, Greg, so, with you your know, first back The Fat Boys, you know, I mean, that's around the same time. Who who was big at that time, right? There was uh, Run Backstreet Boys, Houdini. New Kids. Yeah. You know, New Kids in the Block had just started out when we, we were out. I mean, yeah. I, I remember hearing about them, you know. It's really Back the whole the premise of rap. Like, right. Run DMC, uh, you think about the Fat Boys, you think about Run DMC, LL Cool J. Big that's Papa. That, uh, Big Papa's after. They, if it wasn't that's after, that's guys, 90s. Yeah, oh, 90s, this, really? Yeah, yeah. So the 80s, so just to kind of give you the whole thing, Greg, they were so, I mean, Damon, how'd you lose all the weight? Because, man, how much did you weigh back in that day? Oh man, my highest was probably three fifteen. Three fifteen and what height? Five seven, five eight. <laughs> five, yeah, five seven, five eight. And so, how did they come up with the whole premise of the Fat Boys? Because I remember I bought manager. the album, Greg. I bought the album. I was in. Uh, let me see what grade seventh, sixth, or seventh grade at that time, and stuff like that. And we all were into it in my, right. my school and everything. We were called the Disco Three at first, and what happened was we won a rap contest. Um, back then, they had you know rap contests were popping up everywhere, so we entered a rap contest. Out of over almost seven hundred rappers, we came in first place. The first place prize was a recording contract, and we won that. But uh -huh. you know we wanted the DJ equipment, which was the second place prize. Because, you know, we were naive to the whole thing about record contracts and all that stuff. We thought record contracts were for professional artists, and we weren't professional. So um, one of the DJ, DJ equipment. Um, but our manager, who became our manager, he's the one that put together the whole contest. But he became our manager. A lot of people are under the assumption that he was already our manager, and we got to see the contest and won. So I had to clear that up in a lot of interviews lately. Um, he became our manager. And he um, he changed our name from Disco 3 to Fat Boys because he couldn't market the word disco. And by this time, disco was 
was gone. It was played out. Um, so um, nobody was calling themselves Disco anymore. Um, so he changed the name from Disco Three to Fat Boys because he could market it better. Um, of course, we fought against it, but um, you know, it, it kind of stuck after a while. You know. So, so how old were you when you got that contract? <laughs> um, I was going on. Gee, I was I was sixteen. I was going on seventeen. Like later on that year, Mark was. 15 and Buff had just turned 15. Yeah, so we were kids. Yeah. Minus, you know. And what's was amazing, I didn't know this, Damon, that you're the only living member left of the Fat Boys. Is that true? Yeah, first Marky D passed away, unfortunately, in 2021, uh, February, one day before his birthday. Um, uh, and Buff, the human B Buff, passed away in December of 1995. Wow. And did you, you were, you were a human beatbox too, right? Could you do beatboxing no. to all of you? Yeah. No, it was just buff. Really? He never wanted to teach us. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Us. Okay. So you guys were more the rappers and then the human right. beatbox. So that's what, so the human beatbox is like, I mean, that's really what was your brand, right? When people heard that and fat boys and that, you know, and it was before like uh biggie and all those were really rappers were, obese but, in some sort of way you were like the first but, to kind of not be that quintessential pretty boy type groups in any type but, of genre right i think we were the first to express ourselves as far as being yourself kind of act um you look at artists now um or artists that came after us in the 90s a lot of them were somewhat overweight um it wasn't i guess the appeal came from the personality with a lot of artists, which, you know, but that's that's artists as a whole. Let's be honest, Mick Jagger's not the best looking guy, but his appeal, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, he can get away with it. So it, it's, it's, that's, that's just what the industry is about. It's like, if you have a certain appeal that they can market, then you're on your way. If they can't market that appeal, if they can't bring it to the audience and convince them, nobody's going to buy the act, you know? Wow. What what was like your number one like hit? Oh, Wipeout. We did a song with the Beach Boys called Wipeout. And um we met them on the set of our movie Disorderies. And um we were shooting a movie in California and they came on the set as a cameo. They had a cameo appearance. And uh, our manager thought it'd be a good idea to do a song called Wipeout. So we get that to the studio. We go back home to New York and we listen to the to, to song, and the song is like going like 10,000 miles per hour. But he's playing the song of the Safaris version of Wipeout. So we had to slow it down because Wipeout wasn't written by the Beach Boys. It was written by the Safaris. And we had to slow the, the music down and put it more of a Miami-based kind of sound that was going on at that time. And that, you know, and Wipeout became a huge hit you know, for us you know, and the Beach Boys. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And and, that, and working with the Beach Boys, that kind of been, been an amazing thing to see what they made in music and how much money they made to be able to be to the level that you guys were, you know, at that age and working with the Beach Boys. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think we did one show with them, though, to be honest with you, as far as doing the Wipeout song. We were in Jones Beach in New York and we happened to be in town because we was off tour for like a couple of days and they caught us when we was off tour. So we agreed to come out and we performed the song in, in, at, at one of their concerts. But that was like the only, oh no, we performed it also. 
No, no, we didn't do it there. We performed the song with Chubby Checker at the MTV Awards. But oh yeah, the Beach Boys. Yeah, I remember so. that Chubby Checker song with you. Uh, what yeah, is it? Was Come On Baby? Let's do, <laughs> do the twist, the and twist. you guys were part yeah. of it. Yeah, do you remember that, Gregory? I guess you were Greg. You're too busy chasing girls while I was still young. <laughs> right, Greg? Right, Greg? Is that, yeah, is that, that could be? I mean, <laughs> because I mean, I think it. So, Greg, Greg is ten years older, or uh, how many older years older than me, t- Greg? I'm fifty-one, yeah, something like that. Yeah, thir- ten years. Yeah. So oh, yeah, he was. I'm he was busy. Beyond. So we got a difference in, in things. When I'm talking about, let's see, if I'm fifty-one. Damon, let's think about this. When it was big, I was probably 10, 11 years old, right? About around that. Yeah. So I, so I, I remember about, yeah, about 11. All, all that time. Yeah, no doubt. For sure. Yeah. Greg, what what else you like? So it's, it's not interesting, but it, I mean, it, it was a brand. It showed, I think it showed a brand that if you could be like, some, <laughs> everyone could think they could be the fat boys. That's what made it right. big, Greg. I guess it gave the people the opportunity to be themselves because the industry was always looking for the slender kind of look. Um, and for the women, it was e- it was even harder. You had to be a certain kind of look, certain kind of size, you know. Um, they kind of broke that mold in the past two or three years with just bringing women out for who they are. But in the 90s and the 80s, yeah, you had to be like a size two in order to make it in the industry, you know. But, um, you know, I think with the... With, with, with us, as far as males go, uh, I think males have it a little easier in the entertainment industry where they can get by with a lot of things and nobody's going to question it too much. So I guess that I guess that made it work for us as well. I mean, you couldn't have a fat girls group, nothing against that, but I don't think that could have worked. I think with the fat boys, it kind of rubs off the tongue a little better because everybody was called or knew a fat boy growing up and called somebody a fat boy. So it kind of stuck you know, it kind of stuck throughout the world to say something like that. So it really wasn't that offensive, you know. What, what projects are you working on now? Projects I'm working on now, I'm working with a uh, rapper by the name of Siggy the Great, and he's a new artist coming out. I'm um, putting together the documentary, the Fat Boys documentary, and I'm working with Mike Epps on that, and Mike Epps, the comedian. So we're putting that together, and we're trying, and he's with Netflix, so he's as soon as we put the trailer together, he's going to shop it over to Netflix and hopefully Netflix p- picks it up and we can go on from there and shoot the documentary. Probably take like a year to shoot a documentary, I would think. Well, yeah, probably. Neil, you're having a documentary made too, that's right? That's right. That's right. On my pro wrestling comeback, uh, cool really? rock. Uh, I'm a former professional wrestler, rock wore my knee pads in the 90s. I was in the, didn't make it to the big time, got to Germany. I'm a legitimate 6'10 and I'm decided. I'm going back to the ring because it could even build my marketing agency even larger because imagine, you know, getting followed and that virality. Why do you think people like, uh, you know, Logan Paul with all the money he has, why the heck is he wrestling in the WWE brand, right? The right. power of brand is one of the biggest things. Tell me more yeah. about what you think of that power of brand. A power of brand is is, um, is everything within the industry of the entertain- entertainment industry. Um once you put, I mean, listen, as far as putting the brand out there, you got to put something out there that's going to catch somebody. Um, people are not going to fall just for anything. Because if you're putting something out there, you're putting something out there that everybody has done already, it's not going to go anywhere. 
that you got to be more different. I think with the Paul brothers, the Logan Paul, and um, what's the other one name? They're boxers. I know that Jake, Jake but Paul too. Jake but Paul. Logan's a wrestler. Jake's a boxer. Right. But they both are boxers. But Logan decided to go to WWE and instead of keep going into boxing it matches. So that's what. But Logan's this this works. The beauty of this is how it works for them because of the the the, the, the internet sensations, the YouTube sensations. Right now, let's take internet and YouTube away from a lot of stuff that's out there right now. Would this stuff even get fly by? No, like stay hundred percent. They they show they figured out certain thing, then figured out their TAM, and then that's where they basically figured out how they make their money, and that's it. Right, uh, right. Total addressable market. So then they say, okay, now by building this audience in WWE, we're going to get younger and younger people knowing who we are. If they didn't weren't on right. YouTube, they're going to go to YouTube, or we're going to get an older audience that doesn't go to YouTube. That's why your documentaries, everyone like me remembers the Fat Boys. But other people, but you put that on Netflix, your music's going to start getting downloaded again like crazy, right? right. That's how it works. Exactly. That's how it works. Exactly. Now, let me ask you this. As far as your comeback into wrestling, what is your shtick going to be that you're a 51-year-old man trying to get back into a young sport? Or that you trying to reclaim what you once had. I, I, I'm basically saying I'm only there's not many seven footers left in the business. Okay, in the independents at least, because I'm, I'm right. legit build it as a legitimate seven foot. I've made a lot of uh, accomplishments in my pro wrestling career in my 20s. Then I retired at 29. Right. So I'm saying I'm the way back machine 25 years later, back in the ring and competing with all the top people again, but I'm going to go and talk to in my documentary talk, Jerry, the King Lawler, I wrestled him in the mid South Coliseum. I'm going to be talking to people that were ran with me in the careers, the headbangers, wherever I was, we're going to interview these people. And I want them to really say, and what I want to teach in this documentary is that's how I learned about the power of brand. That's right. how I built my radio podcast network is through brand through wrestling how i teach people to market is all through wrestling and to wrestling. teach them specifically enough you got to put yourself out there if you don't put yeah. yourself out there like literally yeah. i could just sit here and say i can still get business all day long through my podcast but no i want to go to the next level i want to be a serial right. entrepreneur and the only way is to go viral and how am i going to differentiate myself from little guys like neil patel or get Gary right. v is go in the ring Right. Then you get a right. virality of something to happen. Maybe I get signed by the WWE. Who knows? You never know in journeys. And then bam, all you need is that virality. You get this huge following. Even though they're not the ones that are going to buy your product, it makes everyone else attract you even more. That's it. Right. That's the, pretty much the plan. And I like it. I'm going to travel everywhere that I cross paths before. That's you it. You want to play the good guy or the villain? I'm going to be a good guy in Pittsburgh, but I love being a heel. Great. There's nothing better than being a bad guy. There's nothing right. better than being a bad guy to tell people off to say that they're this, that. Right. right. All right. So now, um, so Greg, if you were asking like, you know, specifically enough, what other questions would you like to ask Damon before we get to the final question? Yeah. Well, I got a real quick question. You got this really cool background of the Hulk. You know, what's that all oh, about? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. I've been a Hulk um, admirer. Since I, you know, sometimes I dream of wanting his powers, you know, and, you know, that's just me going into some kind of kiddie fantasy or whatever. But I've been a fan of the Hulk for since I was a kid, like one of my favorite um, cartoon, I mean, one of my favorite Marvel characters. But um, because he's 
he's pretty much uh, the matter he gets, the stronger he gets, and nobody can figure him out. But by the time you figure him out, you figure about that he's a good guy. He's just trying to do good. He just yeah. doesn't know how to control his anger. You know, so imagine a, a two-year-old walking up to the Hulk, and he's he bends down to shake the hand, and the kid starts crying, and he just jumps. He just you know he can fly. He can leap yeah. like maybe five miles. He just leaps off because. He's like, why can't you accept me for who I am? So that's yeah. what I like about the Hulk. Plus, he's strong as, as all heck. So. Yeah. Did that's you ever cool. meet Lou Ferrigno? Ferrigno? Did no, you ever meet I Lou? wanted to. I always wanted to meet him. And you think about... y'all, y'all are both both from New York, so I'm surprised you yeah. haven't met you and Lou. Yeah, I know he was a bodybuilder back in the day. He competed against um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, yeah. but I never got a chance to meet him. What celebrities have you met in your career? A ton, right? I met a lot, but I think the biggest celebrity I ever met was um, meeting Michael Jackson at the Grammy Awards and oh, him giving wow. us accolades and saying how much he admires us. So wow. the cardinal rule in the music industry is that, you know, if you get a chance to meet Michael Jackson, you've made it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That and having your own tour. So I guess we made it, you know. So let's talk about specifically enough. Where do you see yourself going? Like with the documentary, do you want to start doing a lot of the uh, sign? Do you do a lot of those events like, like where Comic Cons and stuff like that to come back? Do you want that kind of thing once the notoriety comes back even further through the Netflix? What do you um, see yourself? You know, the notoriety I want for the two guys. I want for the two guys because they need that. They need um they need their legacy fulfilled as far as what they brought to the to the rap music scene. Um, Prince Monkey D and Buff. Um, so. I'm not really into notoriety like that. I'm more into just being somebody who want to help somebody out, get to their destination. That's why I'm helping out this rapper, particular rapper, Sidney the Great. And um, I'm into just giving back to the younger people who want to do this stuff. But as far as notoriety, um, if it gets to the point where um, the documentary is huge and it's getting, you know, I'd rather do this from home and do interviews than to be on a, a set somewhere, you know, doing it. I'm not really into that. Not, not into the into, autograph signing thing and all that. Have you ever been asked to go do the? I'm, I'm into I'm into talking to fans who know about the history of the group, not some Johnny Come Late. I don't I don't mind the Johnny Come Late. Don't get me wrong. You're gonna get a lot of new listeners again through. That's right. how. Right. Because they're gonna say, like "What is this?" Right, who, who the hell are you guys? I, my, my, my father, my mother, my great, my friend, my grandfather heard of you guys, but I'm just listening to you. So I'm getting that a lot, though. I'm looking at the comments. I go to YouTube sometimes, look at some of the comments and um some of these old songs that we got. And I've seen a lot of, I'm 15 years old, I'm just finding out about this group and I love them. I'm 16 years old, I'm just finding out about this group and I love them. So we're getting a lot of that, you know. Um, get a lot of 20 year olds hitting me up on DM saying, I just found out who you are. I can't believe who told you know, that kind of stuff. So it's not just a, a late 40s, uh, 50 year old, uh, you know, 50 year old thing that knows us. It's like the younger people are starting to know us. Exactly. Very All right, cool. Greg, ask your, fa your favorite question to celebrities now. Yeah, you got it. Cool, Rock Ski. It's been awesome talking to you. So here's my question I ask all the guests this question. And uh, so here we go. So, Tell me, what do you feel is the most important thing in life you've ever learned? Oh, man, the most important thing in life I ever learned is to cherish, cherish the people around you that honestly love you because they're not going to be there. 
after all. You know, they, they get up and leave at any time. So, you know, you cherish your parents. You know, I, I grew up. But <laughs> my mother and father was very strict. But it was, it was, it was, it was being strict out of love. They weren't being strict because they were mean. But when they're no longer here, you, you know, you, you, all you can do is go back in time and just think about, you know. So like the holidays come, Christmas time, you know, I go on YouTube sometimes and just watch old Christmas cartoons and old Christmas commercials. Because these are the things I grew up with, commercials from the 70s, Christmas commercials from the 70s. And you just start reminiscing back and being in that house in Brooklyn and growing up and, you know, the house smelling like potato, you know, sweet potato pie and, you know, Christmas cookies are cooking and the, the tree, you decorated, me and my sister decorated the tree, which looked horrible. My mother said, never say anything about it. She just let us do it. But that's the kind of things you reminisce about. And your father coming home from work and, you know, he's he's always he was always mad about something. But, you know, but at the end of the day, he was just he was just a good all around person, you know. And um, I would ask for a, a certain item for Christmas. And he was always like, I don't know if I'm going to get paid at that time. I'll see what happens. Next thing you know, Christmas morning, it's under the tree. I'm like, whoa, you know, so you think <laughs> about stuff like that. So like some, like I said, you cherish the people around you that love you. you know? I love that. And you yeah. don't take them All for right. granted. That's definite. Well, great show again. Greg learns more and more, I guess. I, I guess <laughs> that, you know, the whole thing is cool. Rock is only 57. Maybe you got to go in the ring and wrestle me. That could be a huge no. promotion of some <laughs> Not sort. Not at six foot ten. Yeah, You're yeah, yeah, yeah. So because that's the goal is I'm challenging celebrities. I'm smart in this documentary. I'm not getting in a ring with real wrestlers. I'll get wrestled with other people. Like I, 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 I challenged Riddick Bo to a match four years ago. So this has been in the making. And what I want to teach everybody is this: right. if you put whatever you put out there, right. you got to be ready to go do it. And you yeah. should not yeah. allow anyone around you to tell you can't do it. You it's up to it. you and your dreams to do it. When we give up our dreams, right. we, we miss out on such big things. And I appreciate oh, yeah. you coming by. Where can people follow you? Best place. Um, I'm on Facebook, looking Debbie Fat Boy, Cool Rock Ski. I think that's what it is. And I'm on IG, the same handle. Uh, legendary fat boy Kurovsky, and of course Kurovsky. I have two pages: Kurovsky and legendary fat boy Kurovsky. All right, we appreciate right. it, sir. All right, that was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto. Greg Hanna, guys.